This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the globe. And I'm delighted to say today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good evening from London, Ed. How are you doing? And good afternoon from New York. Good to hear from you again. Let's start with the big story of the week. And obviously, as we indicated last week, it was always going to be the Fed's announcements and uh, the Federal Reserve held benchmark interest rates near zero, but indicated that rate hikes could be coming sooner than expected. And it significantly cut its economic outlook for the year as well. A few weeks ago, we were talking about a rate rise in 2024, but now we're looking at one in 2022. So how did markets react to the FOMC comments? Well, it took them a couple of days to really get it right. The initial reaction, we saw the the treasury curve flatten. And I think that, you know, investors were, were starting to get a sense that, okay, they said they're going to soon start tapering. And uh, that pretty much uh, uh, signals that we're going to have a formal announcement at the November 3rd FOMC meeting. And then you're going to have tapering begin in December. And I think what was very interesting was that Powell, he didn't have to, but he did signal that, uh, you know, they could be done by the middle of next year, which really shows you that he, he uh, is leaving the possibility for that rate hike to be delivered in 2022. Um, when you take a look at the dot plots, it shows you that they're, <clears throat> they're right now uh, it's split. You know, it's either 2022 or 2023. And uh, I think it's you, you really probably should expect it to be 2023. Uh, the more influential voting members are clearly dovish. So I think that will probably um, really uh, weigh on that. And and also, too, we, we also have some of that trading scandal uh, from Kaplan and Rosengren. I think that there could be, those are two of the hawkish members. If, let's say, you have uh, someone step down, you could see uh, dovish reappointments. So I think you still need to anticipate that, uh, you know, despite, you know, the trajectory of the economy uh, and uh, the improving outlook for 2022, uh, this this economy is still going to see a lot of support and a uh, low interest rate environment is, is, is going to be there for quite some time. So I think investors uh, eventually gave the green light to see uh, that, treasury curve steepen and uh, now um, you're probably going to see that's going to uh, keep the dollar uh, a little bit supported here in the short term but uh, I think um, it's uh, it's going to be a fascinating trade because there are risks to the outlook if you strip out some of the more volatile uh, pricing pressures then um, it's still it's still uh, I think significant uh, I, I think right now the Fed is hoping that we we will see uh you know some progress on that chip shortage and uh, right now it looks like the white house is really going to provide legislation that's going to help alleviate that um, the pricing pressures though if you pay attention to earnings and the early reports you're still seeing COVID affect uh production uh, i think across vietnam and indonesia you're still seeing these bottleneck issues are not being alleviated as uh, as uh, as you take a look at you know shipping rates and you take a look at how um you're not really uh, making progress on on getting these goods to the companies the manufacturers uh uk uh, a lot of buzz over your driving short uh, truck driver shortage and you know what that's also happening here too uh so i think inflationary pressures are growing and <laughs> i feel uh 
the expectations were that, you know, by October, November, we were really supposed to start to see things ease, and uh, that's not the case. So uh, the Fed can the Fed can't go back and forth on inflation. So they're sticking to transitory. They're going to stretch out the definition of transitory. Uh, and I think in the end, uh, they're going to um, probably um, wait to see uh, by the end of the year. If, if things have not improved, uh, then they'll, they'll probably be in a position where they'll have to act a lot sooner. And that's why you're probably going to see a lot of other central banks uh, are going to be in a quicker mode to tighten. Interesting what you say there about the truck drivers in the USA because, of course, we have a big problem here with deliveries and the spectre of inflation because of that. And a lot of people have blamed Brexit on the lack of truck drivers. But it does seem to be happening right across the globe in Europe and the USA. What is the reason over there? Is it a similar reason to over here where they're saying that people have actually left that sector and are going into other ones like retail and so on? There's a plethora of reasons. I think that has been one of the key ones. I think that um, COVID has been uh, very volatile. I mean, we, we saw it primarily in the Northeast, then it was to the South. Uh, and and uh, I think that, uh, you know, there was no consistency for truck drivers in, in, in their positions. And I think you saw a lot of frustration there. And there was a lot more opportunities that uh, came about. So I think you're going to see... Um, it's going to be difficult to fill those uh, positions unless you see uh, significant wage increases. And right now, uh, a lot of businesses are hesitant to do that. So I think uh, uh, the, the, the trucking issues will likely persist, I think. And uh, that is just, you know, keeps on feeding into that inflationary argument. Yeah, it's very interesting to see uh, people talk about how wages need to rise to support the truck drivers. Otherwise, they'll just not come back or they'll leave. And after many, many years of stagnating wages in that particular sector, um, they're suddenly saying, well, I don't want to do this job anymore because uh, it's just not, it's hard work. It's not a great deal of fun. The hours are very unsociable. You don't see your family. And it's uh, it's really, really tricky. So um, I think for those people in working in those particular sectors which have been underpaid over the last 10 to 20 years we could see a big a big change uh, let's move on to another story which was pretty dominant in the middle of the week and that was Evergrande the Hong Kong listed shares which tumbled nearly uh, well if you go back as far as July 2020, nearly 90%, the Chinese government cracking down on speculation now in the real estate market. The stock lost more than 20% in the last five trading days. And I think investors are watching to see if this real estate giant, real estate giant will be able to make uh, millions of dollars in interest payments on dollar denominated bonds in the coming days. The Evergrande story has been uh, fascinating. I think that uh, <clears throat> initially there was some optimism that uh, this was going to be contained. Uh, and uh, more importantly, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the base case scenario <laughs> from some analysts was that, well, you know, China doesn't want systemic risks. They're at a position, given the recovery, they were going to save Evergrande. Then, you had the communication that no, they're telling local governments to prepare for an Evergrande collapse, um, and then you saw you know markets go from saying 
we're 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 probably going to see this contained to now traders having second thoughts on risk contagion and <laughs> and then the, the the fear of missing a u.s bond payment uh just kind of uh you know shows you that this is not an easy story it's not going to have a quick fix and uh it's really weighing on sentiment and i think there's going to be you know follow through ranks into the weekend and into next week uh and, until we see exactly what happens and uh, until we know which foreign investors are holding uh evergrand's debt and uh, i think that is going to be a key story so i think uh it will likely uh, <clears throat> provide some more uncertainty uh, for, for next week. And uh, I think now investors are a little bit cautious on Asia. But when you take a look uh, over here, um, right now it seems that the fallout will be limited. Uh, so uh, investors here are, are still um, r remaining mostly optimistic for the U.S. stock market. We've ended the week with a potentially massive story, really, Ed, and that's that China's central bank has announced that all transactions of cryptocurrencies are illegal which effectively bans uh bitcoin and it's sort of come from nowhere this announcement china is one of the world's largest cryptocurrency markets the price of bitcoin has obviously uh fallen in the wake of the announcement by last time i looked around about two thousand dollars i don't know if it's uh worse than that now what is happening with bitcoin at the moment Oh, Bitcoin is still under pressure. I think uh, you you know you're you're seeing uh, prices down um, over six percent on the week, just uh, below forty two thousand. And uh, you know China they're, they're tightening the screws. Uh, you know this. I've been covering cryptos for several years, and uh, I think you know it, it started in two thousand seventeen when they outlawed outlawed initial coin offerings. Then they banned exchanges. Then they. Uh, they curbed the power for miners and that was all in you know 2017 2018 and then you know the explosive growth we saw you know in 2020 they said uh they're going to make more exchanges shut down as uh, the, the shanghai regulator uh, wanted to keep the pressure on these firms and and then we had uh you know this year um you know the state council they called for a crackdown on mining and trading and then uh, just uh, more reiteration or affirmations of the the crypto bans to banks, and now <clears throat> this is pretty much everything they can do except for banning possession. Uh, so this this is very a very difficult uh, move uh, that real. I think force every you know crypto investor in China to to, to abandon ship. This is kind of your warning. So I think uh, you have to remember, uh, crypto mining has been transitioning out of China over the last uh, few months, and uh, I think that there's been a lot of investors that have been using VPN and getting away with uh, still involving themselves in cryptos and and now you're probably going to see this is going to really i think make a lot of people think twice before they uh continue uh, to to hold cryptos so i think the this is just very bearish for the space just because the market was a little bit in wait and see mode over the u.s regulation side and and now you're seeing you know strong selling pressure here um and you know this this China intensifying their crackdown on cryptos is is nothing new, um, and this should have been expected. Um, but uh, I think uh, 
given where the market was, that's why we saw uh, this uh, very strong reaction to it. And uh, I think you're you're probably going to see this is going to rattle some investors, but um, in the end, uh, it really shouldn't because uh, you know China was never going to be a big part of, of, of Bitcoin and and the other cryptos. Uh, they're all in on their digital yuan, and this is why they've ramped up these efforts to uh, you know make sure that um, all these cryptocurrencies leave China. So I think. Uh, it's a story that will probably, you know, two months down the road, we'll say was just another buying opportunity for Bitcoin. Okay, Ed, let's uh, switch continents and come back to Europe and particularly the UK. Uh, we had the Bank of England with its uh, announcement, UK inflation expected to rise above 4%. Uh, that has been fueled additionally by rising energy costs, which we didn't really see coming uh, plenty of other inflationary warnings, but uh, this uh, front page news we've had all week about the cost of gas, a number of companies going under is a big story. Uh, the bank also said there were some signs that the supply chain crisis was starting to hamper the economic recovery and has revised down its growth forecast for the third quarter by 1%. And no surprise, of course, uh, interest rates held at 0.1%. But it looks as though a rate rise is more imminent, as with the United States, than we predicted a few weeks ago. I, I think what was also fascinating, uh, and I think uh, we we seldom get the chance to have a, a deep dive into the BOE, and uh, I think uh, Deputy Governor uh, Ramsden, uh, he delivered his first ever dissent. Uh, it was over the bond buying program, uh, joining Saunders. Uh, making it a seven to two vote. Now, that is pretty significant. Uh, I, I think you you know what that what that did. Uh, it made uh, markets uh, bring forward that uh, fifteen basis uh, point rate hike increase bet to February of twenty twenty two. So so I think you're, you're starting to see uh, you know the the the. The rate hike expectations are really starting to pick up here. Um, fascinating, you know the you know the British pound didn't really. Uh, uh, it's still kind of stuck between 135 and 140, closer to 136.70 right now, and, and I think you're going to see that uh, <clears throat> until until we really start to see exactly uh, you know um, an acceleration in that economic recovery, until we have uh, um, you know I, I think there's there's so many issues right now, and I think you know I t this week. Natural gas. I, I've never been asked so much about natural gas uh, than any other week, and and I think that you know these pressures on the economy are, are going to remain elevated, and I think you're going to see that uh, uh, we're we're just going to be talking about inflation for quite some time now, and uh, I think uh, that's going to put the pressure on the BOE. I think going forward, and uh, right now, you know they're they're targeting you know a slight rise above four percent, but if that's greater. Um, then watch out. Then I think you're going to see more pressure here on the BOE. So uh, you could see uh, um, the pound strengthen. I think uh, I think that's going to be a, a popular trade next year. But um, right now, I think you'll you'll see investors are uh, still looking for a little bit of dollar dominance in the short term. Okay, um, let's talk about the week to come, uh, Ed, and the next seven days or so. What stands out for you? What are the highlights that we should look forward to? There's a lot, and I'm going to try to give you the, I think, the, the highlights. Um, we, we, you know, obviously we have the German election, you know, who is going to <laughs> replace uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel? I think um, she, she, uh, her party right now, it's 
I think they're somewhat losing in some of these polls, so it'll be interesting to see if the conservatives lose on this this one. Um, I think there's going to be a, a big emphasis next week on Fed speak. Uh, we're going to have uh, a lot of uh, members speaking, Brainerd, Williams, Evans on Monday. Uh, Tuesday, that's the beginning of the congressional grillings for uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen and uh, Fed Chair Powell. Um, you're, we're also going to get that consumer confidence data in the U.S., which is also a key gauge. I think um, right now the consumer has been pretty strong, and uh, I think if we start to see signs of weakness, that could unnerve some of those consumer stocks. Um, Wednesday, it's all about the ECB forum. We get, we're going to hear once again from Powell. Uh, we'll hear from Lagarde, Bailey, and Kuroda. So that is, you know, must-see TV for central bank junkies um thursday once again we'll hear from fed fed chair powell and yellen they'll face the house um, we also have uh us pmi data uh, friday uh, ism manufacturing could show a deceleration in september that's a key gauge too so i think it's a it's a busy week uh and then the highlight though for me it's got to be what's happening uh, on capitol hill Congress, we're going to try to avo avoid a shutdown. <laughs> uh, we're going to see if uh, they can uh, get that stopgap bill uh, funding done. So that's going to be uh, dominating the weekend and what happens next week. So uh, quite quite a lot to cover. Uh, and uh, I think obviously, too, we'll, we'll see a big emphasis here on COVID. Um, cases are trending lower. There's expectations that um, we could get um, um, see see that trend continue to march. So uh, that optimism, along with the booster rollout, if there's better clarity on that, um, I think you're going to see uh, growth forecasts really start to ramp up next year. Okay, good to end on a positive note. Ed, uh, sounds like it's going to be a very busy week. You enjoy your weekend, have a good rest, and we'll speak to you again in a week's time. Always a pleasure. Thank you. The Oanda Podcast.